Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. You know, I was talking to Valani the other day, and I was like, how long did you teach Thrive for? And she's like, oh, six years. And I was like, six years? That's a long time to teach Thrive. But, uh, you know, over time I've seen the grace of God work on people's life and continue to strengthen people and build people. And it's funny what God does with giftings, but also character and fruitfulness over time. And uh, I love having guest speakers from outside our church, but I hope that we honor people who speak in our church and have been building our church for years and years and years. Men like Pastor Fernando and Pastor Steve and all numerous different people, Pastor Katie and Pastor Magno. And, and uh, it, what I love is what God has built over the years in our church, because I want to tell you this, it's it's not just a Sunday show that makes this house happen. Let me tell you, there's so much sacrifice and so much effort and so much energy behind the scenes that makes all of these things happen. So can we put our hands together for Valani as she comes up to share with us today? Go get him, girl. Come on. You are so worthy of our time. You are so worthy of our praise. You are so worthy of it all. And so we thank you. We lean in today for the word that you have for us. Help me help your people this morning, that it be you who speaks to them, that it be you that ministers, that it be you that does it all. God, help me do that on your behalf. And so we thank you and we honor you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat and we can give it up for our amazing worship team. How oh, so, so good. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love being able to, when we step into a different style, we're like, ooh, I didn't know that's where we were going with this. I love that. Um, spontaneous. It's great. Hey, but uh, again, my name is Verlani. I've been with Church Alive for a few years, as Pastor Anthony mentioned, and I get to uh, now, I'm stepping away from Thrive, but into our Transform groups, and I love our Transform groups, which is awesome. And for those who are gonna be going to 252 the weekend, men, I am expectant, and I'm excited for what God is going to do over this weekend, and I hope that part of this message, again, inspires you to get ready for what God is going going to do. Um, yeah, it's going to be incredible. I can sense it. And so we're continuing on a series. If you're here new to church and it's your first time here, I want to welcome you to Church Alive because we are very much alive. Uh, but we started a few weeks ago a series called Relabel, taking examples all throughout scripture to discern the labels, which labels are meant to stay. 
and which labels are meant to go. See, Pastor Anthony shared with us a foundational truth, and that is we cannot not wear labels. And through the book of Ephesians, we learned our position in Christ and what he says about us. And Pastor Steve last week shared with us, the, the, he shared on sticky labels and essentially talking about what labels are meant to stick using the life of Jesus and how he responds to the labels that others try to put on us, reminding us of which labels are actually really important. And so as I reflected over the past few weeks in preparing for this message, I really felt God prompt me about the temporary statuses that we cling to and that if we're not careful, they actually become permanent labels. See, according to some foundational principles in sociology, statuses, if we define that, describes an individual's position in, group, in a group or a society. And since individuals can associate to whatever groups or more than one group, many statuses can be ascribed, which means that their status is given to them regardless of their ability. Or some other statuses are achieved, which means their status was gained through an individual's talent, effort, or accomplishment. And see, society has many statuses, socioeconomic status, relationship status, social status, health status, the list goes on and on. And I don't know about you, but when Facebook came out, and this is kind of a little bit dating myself here, I remember the biggest thing that shifted in our society was this idea of like sharing your status. Like you had to tell everybody what you were doing. And it like the platform would look like, oh, Verlani is, and then you kind of just fill in the blanks. I'd be like, oh, I'm in Miami, come, come see me. Or I'm over here at the library cramming for exams, join me. Um, and as every now and then, I don't know about you, if you look through your Facebook memories, like some statuses, there's like, wow, I really said that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was I thinking? <laughs> but like that, Facebook statuses, Twitter feeds, like our Instagram stories have become these reflections of observations during certain periods of time in our lives that without context can unintentionally lead to these permanent labels. And not to mention that we give people access to comment on our statuses, which then continues to reinforce the labels that we've started to already cling to. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I want to talk to two people today. And I'll let you know as we get through our main text, but we're going to be taking the story of an incredible soldier called Naaman, who teaches us about the cost of keeping our status. And this is our main text, 2 Kings uh, chapter 5, verse 1. And it's, we talk about Naaman. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man. Someone say great man. Great man. With, a, with his master and in high favor. Someone say high favor. high favor. Because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. Someone say the Lord. <laughs> and he was, but I love this part. He says he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. He was a mighty man, a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. If I can flip this page, here we go. Um, so the first person I want to address in this message is the person who's attached their status to the status of a leper. You, you, we were reading this text and you've already ignored the fact that Naaman was a great man, that he was high in favor, that he was a mighty man and just went straight to leper. 
And leprosy is a skin disease. And But for today's context, not that I'm trying to change the Bible, but we can use leprosy as a barrier, a shortcoming, something in the way of healing, freedom, and wholeness. I love that our worship, a theme of it was this freedom because I felt that that is exactly, there are people here, are, are, there's just something in the way. And I hope that by the end of this, we can start identifying what that is and get freedom from it. So if we're trying to relate to this text, maybe it would read, he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a gambler. She was a mighty woman of valor, not to forget our ladies here, uh, but she was divorced. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was an addict. She was a mighty woman of valor, but she had cancer. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was depressed. She was a mighty woman of valor, but she was insecure. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was discouraged. She was a mighty woman of valor, but she was anxious. I felt like someone needed to know that your status is not permanent. You are still a mighty man. You are still a mighty woman. 252 men, you are still a mighty man. Don't get stuck on the butt. <laughs> it's just a temporary status. It's not a permanent label. See, the world tries to label us by our statuses. So I ask you today, what is your butt? What is the thing that's preventing you from seeing that you are still a mighty man? You are still a mighty woman of valor, despite what it is, despite the debt, despite the addictions, despite the depression, the anxiety, the jealousy, the anger, whatever it is, you are still a mighty man of valor. You are still a mighty woman of valor. <laughs> And so the other person I want to address in this message is perhaps you have acknowledged that you do have something, perhaps that is just coming in between you and God, and that's helping, like preventing you from seeing that you are a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. And you've decided, you know what, I know I have that thing but I'm gonna attach myself to the seemingly better status, a status that the world values, the status of a commander. I sense there are a significant number of commanders, generals, soldiers in the faith that have been sitting out, that are in this house, that you've been holding too closely to the status and it's preventing you from dealing with the leprosy, the thing beneath the thing. See, Naaman was a commander of the Syrian army, meaning that he wasn't subjected to the same rules as the Jews were, right? The Jews had to declare themselves unclean. They had to be outcasted by society. Naaman had leprosy and if he could perform his job, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what other people had to say, etc. He could still do the thing. He did, it, it, his condition was, meh, it's fine. And there are so many people like that that come to work. See, if Naaman could, as long as Naaman showed up to work every day, it didn't matter that he was depressed. As long as Naaman showed up to family events, it didn't matter that he was unfaithful. And if Naaman, Naaman would do whatever it took to keep his status as a commander, it's the first thing we know about him. And I believe that's intentional. Too many of us are clinging to a status that magnifies what the world cares about and minimizes what God cares about. 
And so there are two sides of the spectrum, two statuses I want to address, the status of a leper and the status of a commander, the status, the status of the disqualified and the status of the seemingly qualified, that if we're not careful, both can become permanent labels. And Pastor Anthony reminded us that for if one of our identities becomes more valuable than the other, then we start to follow that identity. We become and change our behavior to follow that identity, and we stop following God. And God cares too much about you to not, for you not to bring your butt <laughs> to him. The thing that prevents you from seeing you the way he sees you. He cares also so much about you that you don't latch to the seemingly better status. So how do we do this? How do we intentionally go about living our lives magnifying what God cares about? How do we keep a healthy perspective on our status? Like labels that follow us wherever we go, statuses are constantly around us. They are the barometer and depending on what you're using to measure, you might actually feel conflicted with this. And I believe that Naaman, through Naaman, we can learn how to magnify what God cares about regardless of our status. And so if you hear nothing else from this message, please hear this. Your status is not your label. It's not your label. The story of Naaman shows us that our statuses, if we rely on them for anything more than what God can do, we will come up frustrated, empty, and angry. And so if you're taking notes, the title of my message is The Price of status. See, because whether we know it or not, there is a price. There is a price we all pay for, for the statuses that are given to us and the statuses that are earned. Just look at your taxes. <laughs> There's a tax to your status. <laughs> and so Naaman shows us that his status came at a price. It had nothing to do with his leprosy. However, his leprosy exposed just how much he valued his status. And so I ask you today, what is your status worth to you? The status that keeps us from having a healthy perspective about ourselves, but the status that also keeps us from having an authentic relationship with God. And so I have some rhetorical questions as based on Naaman's story that can help us become more aware of where our values are and ultimately what we must do to ensure that we are reflecting the values of Jesus as we walk by faith. Let's not forget, right? We cannot not wear labels. Status is follow you wherever you go. And having a status isn't a bad thing. But if we become more dependent on our status than we do our God, then we've made our status an idol. And what God desires more than anything from us is to love him first and to love him with all of our heart. And so when we think about the, the, the idea of this status and evaluating our statuses, whether you've magnified the status of a leper, if you've magnified the status of a commander, um, I have some thoughts for us today. Number one, does your status allow you to discern which are the right voices? 
because sometimes our statuses prevent us from listening. See, in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, we find that there is a young servant girl from Israel that finds her way into serving Naaman and Naaman's family. And she goes on to Naaman's wife, and he, she says this in verse 3, If only my master would go to the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman chooses to listen to a servant, and a servant's voice is very distinct. It's a voice of faith. It's a voice that sounds different from the crowd. It's a voice that always provides a solution, even if it's unconventional. It doesn't work outside of their means. It knows its role. The servant has, a faith, has had the faith to share with Naaman's wife that there was another way for Naaman to be healed. And that's what servants do. They always show us a better way. And so for us, are the voices that we're listening to, are they showing us a better way? Not by our standards, but by God's. Because our standards have limits. We have biases. We cannot, our status is sometimes cloud our judgment. Are we listening to the right people? Number two, does your status allow you to discern who to turn to? See, Naaman chose to listen to the voice of a servant, but not completely. See, the servant tells Naaman's wife that he should go to the prophet. And yet we find that Naaman's status leads him to a king. And so in verse four and five, you find that um, Naaman goes to ask permission from his, from the master, right? From the king of Syria. And he tells him, yeah, go, that's fine. I'll send, you know, send the letter with you so that you can go to the king of Israel, all this other stuff. And so we find that in that verse, Naaman goes. And knowing that Naaman's status gave him access to royalty, to the highest authority from the natural eye. And your status can grant you access too. But it's important to discern if, those act, if that access actually leads you to the right place, nonetheless the right person. The king of Israel receives Naaman's request and acknowledges that the request is simply impossible. He was like, this situation, totally out of my hands. Look at what happens when we actually listen to the right voice, but then we take it to the wrong person. What happens when we turn to the wrong person with the thing that God is dealing with us about? In verse 6 and 7, this is, a, this is the king of Israel. He says, he took the letter uh, that the king of Israel stated. He says, with this letter, this is what the king of Syria wrote to this guy. He says, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Right? So how, how that message got miscommunicated. And verse 7, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, am I God? Killing and giving life that this man expects me to cure a leper? Surely you can see that he is seeking a quarrel with me. He goes on to think, right? The king of Israel goes on to think that perhaps Naaman's request has an ulterior motive to start a war. How ridiculous is that, right? That <laughs> and sometimes if we're not careful with our statuses, we can go around causing trouble unintentionally. We're starting wars that we're not meant to because we're talking, turning to the wrong people with something that's personal to us. And so depending on who you go to take inventory, does your access based on your status start trouble? How do we trust with what we, what we give others, how do we trust their response? Like, how does our status actually elicit a response from the people we turn to? Do they help 
or do they cause more frustration? We must be careful who we turn to when, or who we trust with our statuses. Because on the flip side, and this is God's grace on our life, we find that every rejection we face is redirection. And so what I love about God in this text is that Elisha hears the affliction of a king and provides a solution. The voice of a servant speaks up again, showing us that there is a better way. And so in verse 8, we see Elisha, he goes, he's like, the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He just saw how ridiculous this thing got. And he says to the king, he's like, why have you torn your clothes? Like, he's like, let him come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. See here, Naaman is being redirected back to the original design, going back to the prophet to be healed. It was no one, it was for no one else to do. How many times does that happen to us? We're going to all these other people and God's like, this person, it's this person. And having a healthy perspective of our statuses actually will eventually lead us to the right place and the right people. But we must be aware of what we carry to uh, what we carry with us on the journey to health. So what is, so if, on my last point here, when we talk about our statuses, number three, what does your status require of you? What does your behavior reveal or expose about your status? See, Naaman's status could afford him certain luxuries and statuses can do that. Status can give you access as we talked about. Status can afford you certain things, but there is a cost of carrying that expectation, that identity with you. And if we're not careful, the things we carry unintentionally start to project our values onto others. And sometimes it's appropriate, and some other times it's just extra. Look at what Naaman brings to meet the king, and look at what he brings to meet the prophet. See, in verse 5, so Naaman goes, right, to meet the, the king of Israel, and he takes with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. A ridiculous amount of money and items for today. I didn't do the calculations. It was just a lot. But for verse 9, <laughs> but then on verse 9, when he goes to meet the prophet, it's that same level of glamour. He takes horses and chariots, and he stands outside Elijah's door. You see, Naaman brings all sorts of items to the king as it was appropriate. But when Naaman took the same approach with the, with the prophet, thinking his status had earned a meeting with the prophet and not his leprosy, perhaps the thing that you have been carrying, the burden that may feel weighty, is actually the thing that is making a way for you to meet the right person and the right place so that you would be healed, free, and restored. And what are we talking about when we talk about freedom? We're talking about this idea that this status, this permanent label, that you have to actually act or perform or to live a certain way because of it. I, I find that too many times we've, we've glorified certain identities, we've glorified certain statuses, and then we attach an entire lifestyle behind that. And God wants to set you free from that. So what does your behavior reveal or expose about your status? See, what happens is Naaman shows up to Elijah's house and Elijah sends a servant to deliver the message. In verse 10, Elijah says, okay, I'm sending this messenger. And he's like, go 
with the instruction. This is the thing that Naaman has to do. Super simple. He goes, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be healed. Your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. And yet we find that Naaman's response to this servant delivering the message was different than the first servant. Interesting enough, I wonder what happened there. And verse 11, 12, it tells us, right? The Naaman went away angry, saying, I thought that surely, surely, uh, Elijah was going to come out, stand, call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over my spot to cure my leprosy. That's what Naaman thought. He was like, this guy was supposed to come out. I'm a commander. Like, you know? And verse 12, he says, are not, and then he starts to criticize the Jordan River. The, the, the place where the place where Elijah's sending him to be healed, right? Where his freedom is attached to. He's criticizing that place. And he goes, are not the Abana and the Fafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could I not have washed in them and be cleansed? Sir, and he turned away in rage. He was upset. Naaman thought that because he was a commander, that the prophet, the person, would be the only way to have him healed, that he overlooked the fact that the solution to his healing was in the message. I love that the gospel is, is a message that comes from a person and that has the ability to heal, restore, and set us free. But luckily we found that Naaman is surrounded by the right voices and people he trusted because again, we find in verse 13 that he listens again. Naaman had to humble himself again to listen correctly. And we find that in verse 13 and 14. He says, but his servants came near to him and says, my father, it is a great word, a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? He has actually said to you, wash and be clean. How so simple. Just go to the place. Dip yourself in the river. That's it. And Naaman, so Naaman finally listens and he goes and he dips himself in the Jordan seven times according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored and became like that of a little child and he was clean. His flesh, his flesh was restored to that of a little child. And I believe God is in the business of restoring your faith today like that of a child. Yeah, amen. Despite where your status has led you, be it that of your shortcomings or be it that of your accomplishments. The gospel is the greatest equalizer. I want to remind us that there is one status. There is one status, though, however, that is permanent. A label that is worthy of praise, of honor in the kingdom, but perhaps not so much here on earth. And I find that might be why we struggle with it so much. And it is the status of a servant. See, the pathway to service is found on the road of humility. See, the servant, it was the servant that spoke up to the commander's wife with the right location. And it was because Naaman was a servant that the king granted him permission to leave his post. It was a servant that spoke up to a king that led to the right person, the prophet. And so it would be a servant that would relay the message to Naaman regarding his healing. And it would be a servant to convince him to humble himself to receive that healing. What mattered most about with Naaman was that he would become clean, that he would be healed, that he wouldn't cling 
too tightly to the status of a commander or a leper, but that of a servant. It was the fact that he was a servant, surrounded by servants that gave him the access, that gave him the ability to know who the right people were. It was his service. That is his true status, his true label. And I believe that that could be said of us. And so as I start to close, my invitation to you is that of service. Despite what other statuses you associated with today, that this invitation of service no, serves notice to pride, to insecurity, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and loneliness. See, insecurity on the other side of the spectrum is still a form of pride. And so we need to be able to humble ourselves to deal with those things. You can still serve God. You are, whether you think you're disqualified or qualified, it doesn't matter because the label of a servant gives you that access. The label of a son, of a daughter of God, gives you access to do so. Amen. See, Proverbs tells us that God opposes the proud but, give grace, but gives grace to the humble. You can still serve God and you can have grace while you do it. Because more than a servant, he sees you as a son and he sees you as a daughter. And so how do we keep a healthy perspective of our status? Be a servant. How do we serve the Lord with all of our heart? We humble ourselves. The status of a servant will always be paved on the road of humility. God is so worthy of your service. He is so worthy of your time. He is so worthy of the talent. He created you for a purpose on purpose. And what, what, should, we, what should be our response? And so I don't want you to devalue what God has done in you, but I don't want you to overvalue it either. Let your love for God be shown in your service to him. Why is this important for us? Why is serving God so important for us? Why is it when we glorify him with the way he made you specifically? Why is that so important? And we find the answer in Luke 4, 27. And it says, and that there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah. And one of them was cleansed, but only the Naaman, <laughs> only Naaman the Syrian, oh, only one of them, one of them in that entire time was clean, was healed. Could it be said that on this day, on this year in 2022, that many were depressed, that many were suffering from anxiety, Many were with cancer. Many were with debt. But one of them, one of them in her family, one of them in their community, one of them would be healed, would be clean, would be set free. See, that is the price of, of the status of being a servant. The price of the status of being a servant is freedom. It's freedom. That is what is available to you when you serve, when you give it all to your God. See, but perhaps you're here today and to be honest, you want to accept the call to service, but acknowledge that your relationship with God 
the one who calls you into this life of service isn't quite right. That perhaps you've started this journey and lost sight of Jesus, or you didn't even realize that your status actually meant more to you than what you thought. And you want a, a better way of doing this life. It would be the honor of my life to invite you to start the life of service, of following God by following Jesus, who he shows us the way. He shows us how we can follow. He gives us the ultimate example because he never lost the sight of what it looked like to serve. And honestly, it gives us the greatest label that we could ever wear. And that label is to be a son and to be a daughter. And so in this moment, I invite you to let's close our eyes and bow our heads and repeat this prayer. It's an invitation and it's not the prayer that saves, but it's the person behind and who we're praying to that will allow us to experience this life of service, this life free from statuses and labels, but clinging on to the one that matters most. And so as a church family, we're gonna give this opportunity for people to, to come back and receive the, the purpose that they've been made for with this. And so repeat after me, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead for me. Amen. Today I ask for your forgiveness. Help me serve you for all of my days as I follow you forever. And so with eyes still closed and head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or if you're finding that you just need to choose Jesus again and follow him, would you raise your hand for me? I see that hand back there. I see those hands to the left here. I see that hand right there in front. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for the gift that is service. We thank you, God, for what you have done in this house. We thank you that your sons and daughters are accepting the call to come back and follow you and to serve you with all of their days, despite their shortcomings or their accomplishments. I thank you, God, that you get the glory of it all. And so we thank you and we believe in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.